Pick out your movie, lounge on your couch, watching the stars while you slouch. Now you can listen to what they'll say. It's Easton and Friends bringing the couch critics your way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Couch Critics. I am the host, Easton Moore, and today I have a special guest, Damien Iser. How's it going, everyone? He's been on uh, quite a few times, but uh, he's on again for uh, this week's episode, and we're going to be doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino film that came out uh, last year uh, and got some Oscar buzz, of course. Um, and so before we do that, we'll just uh, kind of do an interview question and then move to some movie news, and then we will jump straight into the episode. So, Damien, we just did a uh, our first ever video game bonus episode, so I, we'll spin it uh, a little bit from movies to something else. What are some video games that, uh, I know you're a fellow gamer, so uh, what are some video games that you uh, either have really liked in the past or uh, currently playing, just some of your favorite stuff? Sure. Uh so probably one of my favorite video games ever is going to be Fallout New Vegas. Um, that kind of like got me into more of that RPG style type gameplay. And it's like the first video game I ever got all the achievements for. Uh, and I put probably like 400 hours into it. That means you're a big 76 fan, right? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I what? actually despise Bethesda <laughs> Studios now uh, for how they've ruined Fallout. But regardless... That's one of my favorites. Um, Star Wars Republic Commando is probably one of my Solid. favorites from my childhood, yeah. along with like the battle. You played on Xbox? Yes. Oh. Along with like the Battlefront games. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, modern shooters like, you know, Battlefield 3 and 4, fond memories of those games, Modern Warfare 2, uh, and then most recently like uh, Modern Warfare, the reboot, of course, with the Battle Royale that they have there. So, yeah, you yeah. played a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a we play bit. a lot together. <laughs> I haven't played in months, and I'm still the top of my leader, the leaderboard <laughs> in my friends list. Okay, just a little humble brag there. Uh, not humble. I'm <laughs> bragging about that. Uh, you know, you got to step away when you're on top, right? That's yeah, what they say. you know, the king had to relinquish his crown for for certain reasons, but uh, maybe one day there'll be a return. Yeah, um, yeah. I played a lot of those. I was never a New Vegas fan, but yeah. I was never really a Fallout fan in general until. Yeah, it combined for me. It just combined that, like, uh, you know, a lot of RPGs up until that point. Aside from like the Knights of the Old Republic games, uh, which I played those two, which I yeah. liked, were mostly you know medieval type stuff. Like yeah. you had you know your Elder Scrolls games, mm-hmm. um, Fable, Fable, uh, Oblivion. Um, that's or yeah, sorry, that's an Elder Scrolls <laughs> game too. But mostly like medieval stuff, yeah. which is cool. And I played the shit out of Skyrim when that came Diablos. out. Diablo, uh, Diablo, yeah. But this for me was just like. You know, I've always been into that kind of gunplay type gameplay, and it combined like a post-apocalyptic world, which I liked, and yeah. just like all the lore. And like, it was a first-person shooter as well. Yeah, first to third person, however you wanted to. Oh, contr- okay. I guess keep, I always played it first person. Yeah, you could alter in and out of first to third person. So I thought that was something new to Fallout Four. No, I, I didn't think you could do that. No, that was in that was in New Vegas and Fallout Three. Gotcha. Yeah. Because that was one thing I liked about the Elder Scrolls games is they were an RPG, but I could also do first person. Yeah. I just am better at third person over the shoulder stuff. I'm just not as good at aim and, and yeah. stuff like that. Well, the so. rule I developed for the for at least Fallout was like 
Third person outside, first person inside. Yeah. That's how I played I know it. a lot of people that did that. Yeah. Watching you and Thess play all the time, I picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> but I still just like the first person view better. Yeah. Which was I'm just a better shot. And I just liked how, like, if in Fallout 3, if people played that, like, you know, you couldn't ADS in that game. It just kind of zoomed in on the cursor. Yeah. Or New Vegas made it to where you could ADS, so it was kind of just fun to, like, have all these, like, you know, modern weapons that you're kind of used to seeing in games, and then like you know the crazy like sciency type weapons yeah. that they put in that game. They all have different sights, and that was just yeah. kind of fun to mess around with. Yeah. So never played The Last of Us though, because I don't have the PS4 well, or PS3. But I know you're welcome to come over <laughs> and play both of them. I, I know will that watch I, you play you, them. That you tout those games, but yeah, I basically watched the, what was that game? Uh, the one, the first one. Um, no, it was the one about the Wendigos. Um, it's like that one that's more of like a movie experience versus a game. Uh, and until you, dawn, until dawn, yeah. yeah, that's like I never played that game, but yeah. I watched, you know, let's plays of it yeah. the entire game, and I was like, man, that's to me. I was basically playing the game, and that was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, so that was a cool game. I'd like to see more you, of that happen. You can do a, a let's play of the Last of Us and get most of the experience, but. I think you get more invested in the characters and stuff when you're the one controlling them. Yeah. And doing the actions and having to survive and yeah, like until, work on resources and stuff. Yeah, so. like until Dawn was more of like a, you just made decisions, decisions with the game. Yeah. And I have it. I just never, I never got around to it. Yeah. It seems a little too spooky for me. I liked the big spook in the game. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have nothing wrong with horror movies, but when I'm the one making the decisions... In a horror game, that's what... Puts a lot more stress. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. why I can't do, like, Outlast and yeah, those, those kind of games. Man, those things... Those are games I... <laughs> creep me. I just Dead Space? Couldn't People get talk into. about that. Dead Space. I've played it. It's fun, um, but pretty spooky. Um, Resident Evil 7 is a game that I wish I would have got and played. I still can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I but... like, it's not dead. <laughs> it's, you can still play it. Yeah, it's one that I... W- would want to play, I guess, because yeah. it's it's very. Uh, it seems like I've heard. I know it's. I know it's like a good game. It's gotten good reviews, and people say it's a good game, a good horror game. Yeah. So, because the last horror game I played was uh, the Evil Within, mm. uh, which yeah. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was but that, really good. But like that game was like the first half was horror. The second half was just you killing zombie type shit for the rest of the game. So. Turned into more of like a Resident Evil, yeah. like the original Resident Evils was yeah, more of, especially wasn't as much scary. Especially once you know your character became a lot more powerful and you yeah. just got better at the game and mm-hmm. you got you got over like the scary stuff. Yeah, it was more of just like you're just killing stuff now. Yeah, I like that you had the Star Wars games because those were also some of my favorite. Public oh, Commando yeah. I played on PC, <laughs> which was like revolutionary. Yeah, and then the Battlefield games were or Battlefront Star Wars Battlefront games were like the biggest shooting games of our yeah PS2 Xbox I mean, original I was the era. biggest Star Wars fan I knew until I met you so <laughs> really oh yeah I didn't know that I was a huge Star Wars nerd my yeah. room was Star Wars themed for yeah. like the longest time yeah and we all uh stayed out until midnight to go buy Star Wars Battlefront yep. together <laughs> and played that trash yep. game and we had to fucking go right back to the store cuz you got the wrong PlayStation cuz you bought the like uh, yeah, Darth that Vader was, PlayStation. That was order. ridiculous. I sold my PS4 for like 250 bucks and then bought the Darth Vader edition 
and they didn't give me the Darth Vader edition. Yeah. They gave me a standard, so we had to drive all so the way back to GameStop. This is at like, and they said, oh, well, I'm sorry, I guess we gave you the wrong one. <laughs> yes, this is at like 12.30 in the morning. We get back to your apartment or whatever. and I think we are in the dorms. No, because this was our sophomore year was it? of okay. college. I thought we were still in the dorms. Because I remember we did. I did the Fallout release first the for Fallout 4, and then we did that next. And yeah, and I think like I think both Thess and I had class the next morning at like early class, and so we're like, "Fuck!" Like we're so tired, but we gotta <laughs> go back. And of course, we played the game a little bit that yeah. night, you know. And just wait for it to download, which takes yeah, which eight years. Like I remember when I got followed. Which, I guess that's probably what you guys did. You probably put it in your system and let it download while we left. Probably because it, I don't know. I I don't know how bad it was on Xbox, but if you don't have fast internet. Like, we used to have, I think, 30 megabytes per second or whatever you call it, and games took, like, hours to download. Yeah. I remember getting Fallout 4, so I went to the midnight release for that. Yeah. And I remember I had a 7 a.m. lab the next day. But I was like, I was like, okay, I'll download the game real quick. It took That took however long. And so I finally get to start playing this at, like, 1 a.m., and I played till like, 3 a.m., and I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I gotta go to bed. Plus, like, you know, of course, practice, practice at some yeah. point at that time, too, for track or whatever. Or yeah. Geez. Yeah. All that for a bad game. It was fun for a little bit. Was, I put 100 hours into it the first week of it. No, not, not Fallout 4. Uh, I meant Battlefront. Battlefront. <laughs> yeah. That was a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. It was, it was fun for a little bit, but it just didn't have the depth that the originals yeah, did. The it got, replayability. It, it got old pretty quick. Yeah. But anyways, I like that you added those because those games were like the greatest of our, I think, Knights Old Republic. All those Star Wars games were really just fantastic. And now yeah. we're just getting shit Star Wars games. Yeah. They All except of, for First Order. They had a lot of heart for er, them for sure. Yeah. Star Wars First. Fallen Order? Fallen Order. Order. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only good one they've made. Battlefront 2 was, f- yeah, they're both fine, but that's it. Yeah. Focus on cell phone games for some reason. <laughs> Get this card trader game. Yeah, everyone's going <laughs> to sell microtransactions. Microtransactions. Yeah. how they make money nowadays. Stupid EA. Um, well, I guess we can get done talking about video games and move on to, move oh, on to movies. Are about a movie today? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so just a little movie news uh, for all you guys out there that may not be paying attention, but they're pushing back like everything. Warner Brothers, I think it was Warner Brothers, has... Wonder Woman and Tenet, and they both just got pushed back indefinitely, so we don't even know when they're coming out, which sucks, because I was so excited for Tenet to come out. Wonder Woman, I was kind of, you know, it's it's fine. Any movie would have been good to go to the theaters to right now, but I didn't think the first one was, like, the greatest movie ever, so it would have been a fun action movie. But Tenet, I was really excited to see Christopher Nolan go to put another movie out, especially after Dunkirk. So are they just pushing back movies because... um technically like i don't know i guess theaters aren't open yet still yeah. right i don't know if you know this but there's like a pandemic going on and there's <laughs> no i've act- i actually live under a rock um no, so i'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah the, well i didn't know if they're pushing theaters... back because theater theaters are ten- some can be open okay but the major ones are still um closed like amc is still closed okay. and so you have your small like family ones like i know there's one in el dorado um that they've been showing older movies on for like four bucks a ticket or something like that mm. just so they can still semi make <laughs> make yeah. money because they can't shut down for 10 months like amc can um so yeah i think it's because the bigger bigger uh 
and uh, theaters are still closed. And even when they do open back up, even if they open up next month, they're going to be at either a quarter or half capacity so that you're not going to make as much money. And I don't think they want to go the, the route that they've done for a lot of the kids' movies and do home releases. Yeah. Because a movie like that isn't going to make as much money as a kid's movie at home release. Mm. Because the studios are just like sitting in debt right now, huh? They're uh, <laughs> being I the mean, a little bit. I think they've made enough money over the past five years of film because they've been making more money than ever. So yeah. I think they should be fine. But yeah, definitely not. Uh, definitely not making money right now. It's interesting. You can go to the bar still, but you can't watch a movie. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I, that's just the studio's decision. Because yeah, I mean, they could definitely put movies out for for home release and be. I mean, they would make money. I mean, Tenet would probably make, I would say, at least $100, $200 million right now in home theater because people want to watch a new movie. I mean, we haven't got anything new other than Netflix or Hulu movies. Yeah. So, you can only watch so many of those. Yeah. They're they're <laughs> not the same quality of of a Christopher Nolan movie. So, yeah, I think they would make a lot of money. But I understand why they're not doing it. And then, so that means Mulan is also pushed back. That's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a... I'm excited to see it. I like Bushu's not even in it, right? That's true, but I also I want to see how it is because I want to see how bad it is. Mm. Um, and if it's good, that's just a bonus. Yeah, I guess that's true. And then uh, Disney's having to restructure their whole entire, so like they're pushing back movies that they were going to have come out because they can't release Mulan. And so I I just heard them talk about a couple movies. That we're going to come out in like 2021 and now they're going to come out in 2022. And yeah, it's a, it's a mess, but we'll get movies eventually. And then we can start reviewing new movies on here, but, uh, which I'm excited for, but you know what? People uh, just need to start making content of their own, putting it out there. You know, that doesn't happen. There isn't like YouTube or if only there TikToks. was those sort of things <laughs> and people can make their own content. And we could stop giving all these other people millions of dollars. What, you don't like uh, big action movies like uh, or, or big top dollar movies like the movie we're just about to review? Nah. <laughs> just kidding. All right, I'm, I'm a, being facetious. Oh, I thought there was a foreshadow there of uh, about to just shit on this movie. Maybe there is, you know. We're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> maybe this is the worst movie ever made. Maybe it's the best movie ever made. We'll find out. All right, well, I guess we can find out right now. <laughs> it's not like we have to wait for this. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we, we're going to go ahead and just start talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Quentin Tarantino film um, from 2019 uh, starring um, fuck, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, and Brad, uh, Brad Pitt, Pitt um, and then Margaret Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yeah. For some reason, Leonardo was just—I could—I was a really attractive I, dude from Titanic. I kept on thinking Robert De Niro. I was like, "That's not not, no. not like I was picturing." But Al Pacino is in this movie. Yeah, I was just—I uh, was picturing, uh, um, DiCaprio and thinking De Robert De Niro. De Niro. I'm like, "That's not the right name." <laughs> I know who this is. Um, but yeah, starring those uh, those three, having a lot of other big names in it as well, and some smaller ones. Um, uh, like Tex in the movie is from a, a TV show that we watch and then uh, one of the actors is, um, well one of the actors that plays an actor is uh, 
he plays in Riverdale. So some like oh, smaller okay. Netflix actors got in this one, which was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just a, a movie about the 60s and Hollywood in the 60s. And then, of course, um, Marlon Manson. Marlon Manson? No, uh, not Marlon Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Manson. <laughs> Wrong Manson. A lot less attractive. Yeah. <laughs> Charles Manson and, and his effect on Hollywood and, and all of that. So yeah. um, just some general thoughts, uh, just some stuff you, you w- want to talk about that's not uh, that won't spoil the movie uh, for any of our listeners, to anybody who hasn't seen this movie yet. Sure. Um, I think the Brad Pitt DiCaprio duo is just phenomenal. Yeah. It is my, f- it is one of my, the f- this the best things I've seen on in a movie. It, it was just a lot of fun to watch those two go back and forth uh, in the film and just have a lot of good chemistry, it felt like, you know, yeah. uh, like, because DiCaprio's character is kind of this self-conceited asshole and uh Brad Pitt's character is like, you know, the dude that kind of puts up with him but is also like a good friend to him. So, it was really cool and then like even watching interviews post the movie with those two like just talking about how much fun they had working yeah. together was just like f- cool and just makes it a more fun experience for me to watch. Um I think this is one of the Quentin Tarantino films I felt like was just fun to watch because of those two. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously like Django, you have it's it's fun to watch Django go on that revenge path and um but like hateful eight isn't necessarily a fun movie to watch it's good but not fun and then reservoir dogs is the same way it's not like you're having fun watching it yeah kill bill is i mean i guess if you like watching people just get chopped in half yeah then that's <laughs> fun but just thinking of his other movies and i'm pretty sure i've seen all of them i'm pretty sure um this was the most fun just to watch those those guys just hang out and have fun and and having them be you know getting to see a 60s hollywood yeah. you know we didn't obviously live in the 60s <laughs> right so getting to see what i feel like is probably a a replica a good piece of americana for mm-hmm. sure and like a nostalgic type of deal getting to see like all the old vehicles um like movie sets and how people acted i mean yeah um you know, and the like. I think Tarantino has even said that this is like his love letter to Hollywood mm. in a way. Um, and at least for me, this was a movie that I was sad that ended, like because I just wanted to keep watching oh, gotcha. more of it. Like yeah. I wanted to just keep watching this interaction. Like, <laughs> I want to watch. You know, I just want to keep watching. It was yeah. a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. Um, and you know, the music choice in it too. It's, yeah, it's yeah, that, really. All that 60s stuff, um, super awesome soundtrack that really just gets you in that mood of like the time period, sets it well. Um, Disco parties. Not disco parties, but you know, just the pool party. party. You get to like see the Playboy Mansion in the movie, which is all, which is fun. Um, And what it was actually like. Yeah. And kind of, and you also get, it's kind of like this, uh, you get to see like some, like a big star who goes through like troubles yeah, yeah like like acting troubles acting troubles and you get to see this process of like redemption and and how hollywood or, like and how hollywood's rough yeah like, you get one part that kind of diminishes your your stardom mm-hmm. i hope we're not spoiling too much here but um i think it depicts what i mean I, we're not in hollywood so i guess we don't really know but it feels like it depicts what how hard it is for for some of these actors to stay on top and that's yeah. kind of the underlining like point of the movie is is showing rick dalton's career and 
and what it does to an actor, but yeah. And you know, just all the tongue in cheek jokes mm-hmm. in it, you know, that typical Tarantino type stuff. Uh, it's like, in a way it's got that Pulp Fiction type humor. Yeah. Where yeah, it's it like not does. purposely trying to, it's, and I think we've talked about humor in movies before, like cringy versus yeah. more natural. Whereas, you know, this has that more natural, like, you know, you can tell it's a joke, but it's not, uh, meant to be a joke and it's not being forced. Like, it's just a funny, co- like, it's just a thing that's funny, which I always enjoy that yeah. too. makes it more fun. Um, yeah, it, it, the banter between them two just feels like it's one of the more natural, um, relationships I think I've seen in a movie. Yeah. That, like if you have a best friend for nine years is how long they've been together as kind of good friends and you develop those just being able to talk shit to each other and, and crack jokes and, you know, that guy relationship and, and I think that add that that's what makes that relationship and that banter between the two of them so good is because it feels yeah. And I just feel like the two like when you think back to like the other Tarantino films, like the only one I can think back to that this comes close to is Pulp Fiction between uh, Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta. Yeah, where that's it's, true. It's like just these two people that you really are enjoying watching and having a good time, and like just having fun watching them too. Because you think back to like. Uh, you know, Reservoir Dogs. Um, there's not really that. And Glorious uh, Bastards had had some good. Uh, and Glorious Bastards guys has some, but to me that was a lot of like Brad Pitt with B.J. Novak. Like that was the two closest. Yeah. Which mainly it was just Brad Pitt driving yeah. that. Like it's just you just like watching Brad Pitt's character in that movie. Yeah. Um, and Pulp Fiction's too cut up. It is. Yeah. To, it is to have this up. like that's why I think this one has a better. It, yeah, and I agree. Because you see them more and you get to be with them more. Whereas in Pulp Fiction, you have four different stories that you're following. Right. So. Which is why I'm saying that's the closest. Yeah. I yeah. would say. Uh, I mean, because in Hateful Eight, it's kind of more just Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and you know, you have Christoph Waltz in some of those movies, but you know, him, him and J- him and Jamie Foxx and Django was fun, but. Which is kind of weird because Jamie Foxx is a comedian. And he's a very like bombastic guy, but in Django, he's like a very quiet character. Yeah. So it wasn't. I mean, it was fun, but not like this. Yeah, I would definitely say that. I don't think Django comes comes close because it was definitely Jamie Foxx. Just you know, a lot of his movies have one focus of a character. I mean, you have Kill Bill. It's basically just um, Thurman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Inglorious Bastards, I would say, is mainly. Brad Pitt, and then the woman, which I can't think of, of her name, but um, and then Django, and then so you have a lot of those movies that are kind of single, and then you have ones that are everybody. Hateful Eight, I feel like it's the whole cast. Yeah, it's not necessarily one character. Like you have everyone there. Yeah, I and then ing- um, Pulp Fiction feels that way. It's about everyone, and then Reservoir Dogs is about all those characters too. So. Yeah. And I haven't seen Jackie Brown or Death Proof. Those are the only two Tarantino films I haven't seen. So I was I've, just looking through, and those are the two that I haven't seen. I've been looking for Death Proof forever and cannot find it. But yeah. I think Jackie Brown is actually on Netflix, and I just haven't watched it yet. I, I don't think it is. Any, I think it used to be, but it's oh, not anymore. It is not. You were correct. But I remember seeing it at one point. Dang it. should have watched it while I was on Netflix. Yeah, I should have too, because I remember I went out and just was looking for Tarant- like those older Tarantino movies. Because I wanted to watch Jackie Brown or Death Proof, but I ended up being only able to find Reservoir Dogs. Gotcha. So I just rewatched yeah. hey, that. That's, which, what I, that's what I did. <laughs> which was fine. And yeah. now I own Reservoir Dogs, and I own like the Steve Buscemi cover of it. Gotcha. 
which is arguably the best one to have because yeah. it's Steve Buscemi. Before once before I went and watched this one, I tried to watch his other movies so I can kind of compare this one to some of the old ones, and that's when I watched Reservoir Dogs and Hateful Eight, and then I couldn't find Death Proof. I don't know why I didn't watch Jackie Brown, to be honest. Maybe yeah. it's because that's a longer one, I think. Yeah. But so is, I mean, so is this one. And Hateful Eight, Jesus Christ, is... If you watch the extended <laughs> version... It's, it's forever. You just lost your entire afternoon. Yeah. Or evening. But, yeah. But this movie was just a lot of fun Yeah, for me. And, you know, it's not without its typical Tarantino... Tropes. Tropes, you know, yeah. with violence and yeah. comedy and just storytelling um, and shooting scenes. And uh, feet. And feet. <laughs> there is feet. In, Two feet picks. Yeah. Long, I, I long remember the. I remember, I remember one specifically. I don't remember though if I remember the second one. Then. Uh, one's Margaret Robbie in the theater. Oh, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. spoiling stuff. It's just, I'm not going to tell you what happens in those scenes. In but the, yeah. In the theater. And then and there's uh, the a hippie, girl in a car. Hippie, yeah. Uh, and her, cat. Yeah. And her feet's up on, yeah. on the dashboard. Yes. Okay. Now I remember <laughs> that. And they're, and they're nasty feet too. Yeah. Listen, he just likes feet. It's it's okay. You <laughs> like feet, man. No, it's fine. I have no no judgment here. But just uh, his tropes are there. <laughs> Every there. single Tar- one of them. Tarantino I don't remember seeing Tarantino though I, in the movie. I don't think he's in this movie. This okay. is one of the few he doesn't make a cameo in. Okay. Um, I felt like I, the first time I watched it, I did catch him, but then I did not see him. This no, I remember watch. each time I watched it, I tried to find him, mm, and, and okay. maybe I've just missed him. Okay. But I don't think he's in this movie. I'm pretty yeah. sure he's not in this movie. Okay. Yeah, I watched it uh, opening weekend, and then I just watched it again before reviewing it. So I re- I thought I remembered seeing him in the movie when I first watched it. But I guess not. Yeah. And then uh, last I night I did not. I don't see think him. he's been in this. He wasn't in this. I don't think. I don't think he was in Hateful Eight either. Yeah, I don't think so. Because that one really only had eight people in it. Yeah. And that was it. And they were all hateful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were. I think there were a couple other people, but it was mainly just those eight. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he wasn't though, because he was in Reservoir Dogs, and that one basically only had six guys in it. Yeah. And he was one of the main characters. I wouldn't say he's a main character. He. I don't want to spoil anything about that movie, but oh. he's not in it for very long. Yeah, but he's one of the main... He's one of the guys that goes on the That's list. what I mean, yeah. And he's got a name. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, I, I agree with you. The, the main thing that makes this movie great is uh, Leonardo and um, Brad Pitt. Obviously, two great actors. I mean, they've had great acting careers, and so you would think pairing them together would be good, but, you know, it was... It was phenomenal, I think. Yeah, and it's it's weird because they've each been in so many of his movies before, but never that, together. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like, well, these are each like a really great flavor, and maybe he was finally like, you know, let's try to mix these two flavors. Maybe we'll get something good. And I think he might. I think he had to have been just very pleasantly surprised at like how great it turned out with them yeah. too. Like, yeah, because I heard there were even there were talks of a spinoff series of the show that they. Bounty Law. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a show that they... I would prefer to not have that, personally. I agree. Um, as much as I would love to keep seeing more of the story, I... Well, it's not the story, though. It's Right. And so I just would rather not have that. Yeah. But there's talks about it. Yeah. And we have friends that want it, apparently. Yeah. Fest does want it. Um, but, yeah. Uh, you got any other, other general thoughts? I mean, we've kind of talked about 
Tarantino talked about, of course, the main thing. I mean, really, this movie is basically about Cliff um, and Rick, Rick Dalton. Dalton, and then I mean, there's obviously some side some side stories that uh, that tie into to their story, but it's basically the movie's basically just following this guy's career and with like historical Hollywood and yeah, like pop culture stuff from that time period. And so I think they just made it fun. In which that's what carries the movie until you get to the end and kind of solidifies what yeah. the movie was supposed to be about. I don't think this is a plot point at all, or not like something I'm going to yeah. spoil right now, but I mean, like, the entire, like, this also time period surrounds the Charles Manson stuff. Yeah. So that's included in this movie, but it's not like a driving force of this movie, but exactly. it's in the movie. And I thought it was. When I went into the movie, I totally thought Charles Manson was going to be the, the center of the movie. Oh, I, I did too. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was going to be about what he did to Hollywood and and how it changed <laughs> Hollywood. I, mem- I remember people were nervous when they, f- when, when people heard, when Tarantino said like, you know, Manson and that whole type of deal is going to be in this movie. People were a little worried about that because of like, you know, what, how are you glorifying? Yeah. Like, are yeah. you going to, are you going to, cause people have can, uh, like there's been like controversy with Tarantino of glorifying violence and murder and stuff. Yeah. And like, so people were nervous, like, is he going to glorify the Manson murders? Yeah. But, definitely not the case yeah 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 um if anything the opposite yeah and also funny that uh kind of spins that yeah yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he talks about it in the movie with uh with charles manson yeah it's kind of a stab at charles manson <laughs> which is justified because that is a very bad man yes um but yeah you got anything else um we've kind of talked about a couple of those things and it's kind of hard to uh talk about too much without spoils that yeah other than those two and just their acting performance right i i mean non-spoiler wise i think i'm i've hit everything i'd want to say okay sweet well uh if you haven't seen the movie yet there's a, a kind of a short review of it um i'm gonna go ahead and say that i recommend it uh i mean it's a fun movie if you've seen any of quentin tarantino movies and you like his style you'll like it and um, if you've seen them and maybe you thought they were a little too much, too violent, or too crazy, this one kind of takes a step back from that for for majority of the movie. Um, and it's a lot, it, it's a, more lighthearted for most of it and kind of fun. Um, yeah, definitely. And so uh, I think this is a, a good way to get people into Quentin Tarantino, in my, in my opinion, because I don't think my wife had seen one yet. And then she went and saw this one and, and really enjoyed it because it, and I, I think if I showed her Kill Bill or um, Inglourious Bastards or something yeah. like that, that's just an ultra violent movie, I don't think she would have enjoyed it. Um, So, you know, just kind of a thought out there. But it's it's definitely a movie where if you have if you're this type of person or have friends that you want to get into this guy, um, yeah. if they're more on the opposite side of like the violent spectrum. They don't like that type of movie. This is a great movie for that. But if they're on the opposite end of the spectrum, like for me, I liked that stuff. And my first Tarantino movie when I was like, I don't know, 15 was Inglorious Bastards. Okay. I was like, mine was Kill Bill. Yeah. That got me into Tarantino was Inglorious Bastards. And I loved it. Cause I was like, Oh, I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So maybe not the movie. Uh, maybe if you have people who are a little less story driven, uh, maybe not the movie to start them with for a Tarantino film, but it's still a really good yeah. movie. Um, he but definitely, if you if you want to show somebody an action movie, there are definitely ones that he does that that are perfect. Yeah, <laughs> like Kill Bill or Inglorious Bastards. Or I mean, there's definitely the Tarantino classics, and maybe this is one of them. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I definitely say it's a recommend because I think it uh, it meshes kind of a lot of his stuff together, and um, and so I think it's an easy one to to kind of sit through. It is a little bit on the long end. It's mm-hmm. it's about two, just under three hours. It's like yep. two hours and forty five minutes. So it's a little long to get through, but uh, you're really, you're having fun for the most part. So you don't feel like it's too grueling and and too yeah. long. Um, when I first watched it, I actually was like, wait, it's almost over. Yeah, like same. Yeah, and I feel like I'm a, I am critical of really long movies in a way. Mm. Like I always talk like my biggest dead jab at 2049 Blade Runner is this movie's too long. Um, but should have been longer. Um, <laughs> like this was not one of the long, and even like the Irishman, you know, that movie's really like yeah. I said in that podcast, like you know, this should have been split. This could like this would work better split up into a series. Yeah, but uh, this movie for me. I was like, oh, it's over. Like yeah. when the credits rolled, I was like, what? There's no way this can be over. Yeah. Like I need to see more of this. Yeah. I think it's because it is so laid back and you're just, you, you almost feel like you're not watching a movie for a little bit. Um, You just feel like you're, you're hanging out with Cliff and yeah, um, definitely Rick. So yeah, I, I give this one a, a good recommend. I think most of the podcast I've, I've done so far cause we don't have new movies I've recommended, but yeah, I definitely give this one a, a recommend. It should be on sale or something because it's been out for a while. So yeah, uh, one to own and maybe watch a couple times. But um, get some guys together, or I mean, like I said, my wife liked it too. So um, yeah. girls aren't going to necessarily hate it either. Yeah. There are a couple spots that get a little violent, so <laughs> she had to turn away for it. But they're not long. They're just uh, they're just little sections. So and I and I convinced my girlfriend to go see it with me at the time. Uh, not, I mean, definitely not her style of movie. I would say, and she liked it too. Sweet. So, well, there you go. There's the there's general thoughts and kind of a recommend if you haven't seen it. So, uh, we're gonna do a short ad and then we are going to uh, do spoilers. So, if, if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and uh, shut it off now. Go watch it and then head back for the spoiler review. All right, everyone, we are back. And so, like I said earlier, if if you have not seen this movie yet, we are going to be getting the spoilers. So this is your last warning. Um, so, so Damien, when it uh, all bets are loose, you can talk about whatever you want. Uh, what's the first thing you want to talk about when uh, talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, man. You know, my mind wants to jump straight to the ending. But <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's a little more to talk about. Yeah, and we're definitely we'll, – we'll probably wait till the end to do that yeah. and we'll grade it out. Um. Spoiler wise, um, God, like, I don't know if it's really spoiling anything versus talking more just kind of about stuff, but I just like the intertwining of pop culture references. Oh, sure. Um, into this, like, fic- these fictional characters Tarantino's created, uh, like with Bounty Law, that's the spinoff of a TV show that was going on at the time. Don't remember what it was called, but okay. like with that, and then like with the Green Hornet type stuff. Yeah, like yeah. They have Bruce, Bruce Lee. Yeah, uh, not not actually Bruce Lee, but well, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, uh, <laughs> rest in peace. Um, but you know they're portraying Bruce Blue, Bruce Even Lee, get Brandon Lee in here, and uh, f- freaking Brad Pitt beats the crap out of him, <laughs> um, which is pretty funny, and like. Uh, I mean the character Delving. Taco Bell, Taco Bell, yeah. <laughs> the beginnings of Taco Bell. Yep, um, they made that a point. Just kind of the character delving into both Cliff and Dalton, where like you know, Dalton is this almost like washed up actor who he's not even washed up. It shows, um, it shows the de- like how studios can manipulate an actor because he's not a bad actor anymore, right? But I would say that 
I mean, because for him, he's struggling with, you alcohol. know, not not being on bounty law, being an alcoholic, yeah. messing up lines, and at this and this like time period, it started to like the method actor started to to be a thing, gotcha. which they kind of went with uh, with a little girl, uh, yeah. on the TV show. She was a method actor, even though she's like eight years old or whatever. Yeah, it is. but she's a method actor, um, and she they kind of talk about that, which I thought was very interesting. Because um, method acting, I feel like, is something, at least nowadays, that's like, you know, you've heard of Jared Leto uh, tries to be method actor. Um, uh, oh, my God. I'm, I'm blanking on Christ, uh, Christian Bale, method yeah. actor. Um, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, like, guys that just get very... Heath Ledger that's the big one, one of the method actors that just get really into the, this character. Um, and so I thought seeing the this... And the movie shows this development of, like, Rick Dalton having to adjust to that and trying to like become a method actor himself in a way. And it starts to show that success. Yeah. Um, whereas with cliff, he's having to like live with this reputation of having maybe murdered his wife. Yeah. Um, and being in Rick's shadow and kind of being in a way his like bitch by like (laughs) being his driver, fixing shit around his house, um, living in like a trailer behind a drive-in where he feeds his dog this disgusting canned dog food and like eats mac and cheese for dinner and drinks freaking Miller or whatever. Um, yeah, I think, um, I just, I want to dive into these two characters because that's obviously the main part. So let's just kind of talk back and forth. We'll start with, I guess, Rick, cause you kind of already talked, uh, you started that yeah, and then you started talking about Cliff a little bit, but, um, for me, what made this movie so f- fun to watch was I I felt for Rick Dalton because, like I said earlier, I think it was showing you what Hollywood can do. It kind of told you with the the French um, director, producer, I don't know who he was, but talked to him at the very beginning. Oh, the... Uh, was that Al? That was Al Pacino. Yeah. He's playing like a Jewish director, producer, who's yeah. trying to get him to go to Italy to do Italian westerns. Yeah, westerns. and he's telling him how they've they've spun his career, and, and you learn a little bit later that he's, um, he pretty much, is, people think that he ruined Bounty Law because he wanted to go do movies. Yeah. And it just didn't really pan out, and then now people are showing him, or like, they're casting him as a as a villain who gets beat at the end of the episodes yeah, and stuff, he's, and he's you're you ruin you ruin your reputation. Although you make money and you can you know, like I said, you make money off of it. Yeah. But when your reputation's ruined, you can't be the star anymore. Like and, you can't be the head of Bounty Law because you got beat in FBI. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of like this. It was like in the time period where like TV shows were like what were really popular at the time, and not movies. Yeah. And movies weren't popular. Um, so like Rick wanting to be more in movies was like kind of taboo and like, um, why did you ruin your, why are you, or like, even like, I think they bring up, you know, they bring up like he's doing these commercials now, yeah. uh, like kind of like stuff where it's like, oh, this is not what a great TV show actor should be doing. This yeah. is like, and so now since he's done this, he can't get back to that position. So he's the heavy in all these other TV shows. Cause he's just trying to get something. Yeah. Where he's, you know, he gets beat up by like the director's like. You know, when you get beat up by this guy, who do they remember? You or the hero who beats you up? It's like they yeah. remember him and you're gone after that. Like, yeah. So he, this guy's trying to – It's in a way, I mean, it's cool because he's trying to give him an opportunity to get back to where he was, but he has to go do really shitty Italian movies. Yeah. And he's manipulating him yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, 
But I, that, that's what I see in, in his character and not necessarily that he's washed up or becoming a, a bad actor because I think you see it. I, you think maybe it's because of the method acting that he's kind of diving into that. Yeah. But I think, you, I think you can see that he's still a great actor and he still can perform. It's just he's being spun in, yeah. in the wrong way. And, and I thought that whole entire scene was was great. I mean, I thought it yeah. was... And I mean, and he's also at a pretty low point in his life because that's when it delves into his like anger issues, anger and issues, his, alcoholism, his alcoholism, his DUIs. Yeah. Um, so like, it's he's at a very he's like very desperate, you know, at that point. Yeah. Because even like, you know, later after that whole sequence happens, he's in the car crying to Cliff. Yeah. Like, oh, it's over, man! Like I gotta go do these Italian Italian movies. westerns, or whatever you know, like which is like, I guess for actors in that day and age, it'd be like. I don't know, being an NBA player and then going and playing in the G League or well, something. Well, it's the same now. I mean, if you're if you're an American actor and you were in big movies and big TV and then you have to go do Italian movies, I mean, that's a big step back. You're yeah. not getting it's not the same publicity. Now, you see I did like how they showed that he was still a big star in Italy. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to I think it was Italy, right? Yes. Okay. He goes to Italy and there's paparazzi everywhere and they love him and I think it was funny the disconnect between uh, a foreign country in America, uh, whereas in America he's just another actor, and the no one really cares. Yeah, but then in, in, in Italy he's this is an American actor. Like we like we have to see him all the time. We have to get his autograph and whatever movies he's in. He's the star because we've got an American actor. And I kind of liked that. Yeah, that kind of spin off too. Um, but it was also like like a like in a way like a match or a like a match burning at both ends, right? Because I remember he goes and he makes however much money, but he's like, he's only got like however much money. And then yeah. he's retired or he's done. Because he had that. to pay to live in yeah. Paris. Yeah. Whereas he, and, and, and he his, still has a house. And his wife was like, he he marries this like model or whatever. And she's got, she expensive. was an actor. Or was she an actress? I think in the first movie that he did. Okay. But she's got expensive taste. Yeah. So. And I thought that was a really, uh, I liked the addition of the wife because it was just a little funny. Francesca, that was her name. Francesca. Yeah. Not only was she a funny addition to um, Rick's character, but also made a little, uh, it was a, a funny addition to the end scene. Yeah. yeah <laughs> which definitely. was really funny. So <laughs> she was only in the movie for like not 15, even, 20 minutes. But what, you know, just adding that little extra element just add some extra comedy in there. So yeah. I like that touch watching it. The first time I was like, he got fucking married. That's so stupid. You're for six months. I can't say much anymore. But. <laughs> say, uh, Easton. <laughs> um, but I just thought the whole entire bit was really funny and, and yeah. a good addition. Um, everything else you want to talk about with Rick? Um, you know, just the redemption arc to where his whole this whole time has been living next to Roman Polanski mm-hmm. um and like he finally at the end of the movie after everything goes down he gets invited to go into I mean of course Roman's not there but like JC Bringer there Sharon Tate's there all their f- actor friends are there yeah. and he gets invited to go in and hang out with them so it's kind of like you said oh. to kill some uh, hippies to do it yeah exactly <laughs> so that to me it's like oh well, you know Maybe this isn't the end of Rick Dalton's story. Maybe he gets recast, and and like yeah. those people are like, "Are right, hey, you're Rick Dalton from Bounty Law? Like, dude, we fucking love that show. Yeah. Like, you're awesome." And there he, so it's kind of like you know he is still a respected actor. Yeah, exactly. He's just been going through this personal struggle, and it's like, and it's just funny that you just have to have a connection with 
somebody else in Hollywood to get the spot that you need. Yeah. And it's crazy just how clicky. <laughs> yeah. And it shows you that, you know. And he's, he says that earlier when he, um, when Margot Robbie drives up and, and that other director drive up to their house and they see him, they're like, that's the fucking director. All I need is one pool party and I'm I'm in the biggest movie of, of the year. Yeah, with Roman Polanski. And, yeah. yeah. And so I thought that was a cool little little aspect too. And glad that he uh he finally did get his his shot. Yeah. At, at the end. I thought that was a nice little cherry on top to the yeah. movie. And you get to see him be like you know, you really get to see like oh like he is Cliff's friend too. Uh, oh yeah, at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And we can get more into that with talking about Cliff. Yeah. Um, Cliff was my ex- my favorite part of the movie. I I think you can have one or two. I mean. Oh, my, he's mine too. Okay. Yeah. I think most people think that, but you know, I, I, I just know. love Brad Pitt too. I yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Cliff was just a hilarious character from the get go with the interview and then <laughs> all the way up to the end of getting stabbed in the side and just beating the shit out of a bunch of hippies while tripping on acid yeah um so just hilarious from start to finish and i loved how they just uh showed little little things about his character with with the bruce lee yeah with them on the boat with his wife and what that was and loading up the spear gun yeah (laughs) did he kill his wife did he not it definitely looked like it in that scene but (laughs) which that was funny on tarantino's part just to like because it doesn't necessarily drive the plot any more or less that he's people are suspicious of him yeah it could have just been like like he's played his part as a stuntman you can only be a stuntman for so long and so that's why he's getting like that's why they're not casting him anymore but no they decided to make it because because he's maybe a murderer a murderer (laughs) uh and like the movie that they're doing or whatever at that time and th- they do, like, some flashbacks, too, uh, yeah. in the movie. But, like, you know, Dal- Rick Rick Dalton's trying to vouch for Cliff. Like, you know, I, this is the best guy. Like, we got to have him in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and the director's like, all right, fine. Even though his wife is like, dude, don't put this guy in the movie. He's a creep. <laughs> but then he beats up Bruce Lee, and then he gets kicked out of the movie. Um, Which people were apparently pretty harsh on that scene. Like, in real life? Yeah. Uh, why? Because they thought that depicted Bruce Lee as negatively. Oh. Having him get beat up by a fictional character and how arrogant he was and still got beat. I mean, it's probably true in some yeah, regards. I, I, I am I am aware. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Not that I thought it was a Bruce Lee yeah. or anything. But. It's a fictional character, too. Like, this yes. isn't a real guy. And so yes. I think that just, it was just a way for them to add how, like, badass Cliff Booth is that he can beat up you know one of the most respected yeah. fighters and and just actors. be so nonchalant about it yeah like all right fine no punch in the face whatever and then he gets kicked with one kick and falls down and the next time throws him into throws a side of a vehicle a car. <laughs> which happens to be the director's wife's car yeah uh i think the big thing about cliff was just like how loyal he was to yeah. rick like because rick would treat him kind of poorly at times but like you know he still drove rick around in his car um, he would still fix his fixed his, his antenna. Uh, yeah. Um, saved like, his wife. Saved his wife. <laughs> was was still loyal to uh, uh, the Spawn guy. I can't think of his first name, but the guy who owned Spawn Ranch, where the Manson gang was. Yeah, living, yeah. Like went out there to go and like investigate. Um, and he didn't have sex with a minor. 
That's true. Which was good. But not because he didn't want to, but because he didn't want to go to jail. Which is, you know, he still didn't have sex with her, <laughs> so that was good. I was like, is that is that the moral uh, high ground or not? He did buy drugs from her, though. No, that was someone else. Was it? That was a different hippie. Oh, I thought it was this. I thought it was her. No, no, it's just a but different hippie for fifty cents. Yeah, you could buy an acid dip cigarette for fifty for cents. Fifty cents in the sixties. I guess fifty cents was a lot more back then. But yeah, damn. <laughs> uh, I guess I don't know drug prices. So maybe it's <laughs> only a couple dollars. I don't know. And then like you get kind of sad because you know they go to Italy and do their thing. And it's I'm like, glad that wasn't very long, though. I think yeah. they they did a good job of keeping that short and sweet. Yeah. Um, because I think they definitely could have dragged that out, and it would have been a drag on the movie. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a major... Like, it was a major plot point, so it needed to be there to kind of show Rick Dalton's career and what's going on. But I'm glad they didn't... They just kind of showed what he did in, like, two, three minutes. Sure. And then moved on. Yeah, which was good. But it was kind of sad because the narrator at that point is like... You know, once they get off this plane, like Cliff and Rick are going to, you know, part ways forever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Rick's in first class with his wife snoring or whatever. And yeah. Cliff's like <laughs> stuck in the back row, like in drinking in the his uh, seat, stuck drinking his Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um, so it's like you just kind of feel bad because there's just always still this. Um, I don't want to say disconnect, but like. Like a gap between. Rick and Cliff and just well, yeah. status, I guess. Uh, but Which I think still, Cliff is fine with it. Yeah, he is. I mean, <laughs> think the about dude, it. it's either that or <laughs> the dude is loyal and he also just doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah, like he lives in a trailer behind a drive-in, uh, but most of the time was sleeping in uh, Rick Dalton's house. Yeah, because I mean he had food there for his dog, mm-hmm. and so I mean obviously he had yeah. spent a lot of time there, and then. Uh, you know, just the ending scene where he, where they get drunk at the his, Hispanic restaurant, yeah. and then uh, come back. He smokes the acid cigarette, and then uh, beats the, sh- kills, yeah. murders some fucking Manson gang hippies. Yeah, I thought uh, the the farm scene with Cliff, where he brought back Pussycat. I thought that was one of the better scenes of the movie. Dude, I thought that was one of the most tense scenes it was in all of Quentin Tarantino's movies. Extremely tense. Like, well, I don't. I think Hateful Eight may have some more intense scenes, and Inglorious Bastards has maybe Inglorious Bastards. The basement scene is that was really one intense. that comes to mind. Yeah, um, but that scene was because the whole time you're just like, what is going to happen? Like, you know. It's not good. Like, everyone's turning against him, and he's literally surrounded by all these crazy yeah. people. And it's like... And we don't know that he can kick ass yet. Yeah. Well, we, no, you know, he, you saw him beat up Bruce Lee, but... Yes. But still, like, you know, at that point in the movie, it's like, is he about to die? Like, what's about to happen yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's something, what's, you know, what's going to happen. But that was pretty... When I first watched it in the theater, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I feel very yeah. tense. And now people were definitely talking about that scene on social media afterwards, too. Like It was... Re- I just thought it was hilarious how everyone was so welcoming and and so fun and um they were like oh charlie's gonna love you oh yeah like apparently his character like his demeanor charlie would love but which is true he is a very laid back kind of he's almost a hippie but he can't be a hippie because rick dalton hates hippies yeah (laughs) he he wears those he wears hippie shoes and (laughs) he just asked too many questions basically yeah well no he just uh and wanted to see he just wanted to see the guy which at the end at the end of the day i was like why is that such a big deal i mean 
feel like it's hard to understand the mind yeah. of a drugged out. Yeah. Well, I think follower. it was mainly if maybe he tries to convince them to not be able to live there anymore than their whole entire religion and cults. Yeah. And the big thing was like, you know, he's very like suspicious of like, so this guy is letting you all live here for free. Yeah. Like, and he's like, I know him. Yeah. And he's like, I need to talk to him to make sure he's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which the whole time you thought he was. Yeah. Like I was a hundred percent sold that nobody was actually there. Yeah. And that he was dead or like coked out or like messed up. Instead, he's just blind. He's just blind and fucking all the girls. No, and he's just only squeaky. Are you sure it's only squeaky? Mm-hmm. He can't see, so. Well, it's only her. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's just her, but you yeah. Know. My point was is that he's content with life because he's getting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool that that like is a real thing too. Like that's actually what happened in real life. Yeah, is that they did squat on the spawn ranch and he let them stay there, and he would, you know, like that was the repayment was like the sexual relationship with that with Squeaky. Like yeah. she's a real person too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just had to sit, talk about because I I thought that was one of the tensest. <laughs> moments of the movie and just that's the showed a lot about cliff that's like even a tougher moment than the ending scene like in terms of like you know anxiety and tension for, yeah. the, for the for a viewer because comes back in this because there's, there's nothing funny in that scene either no no um, whereas like at least in well the a little bit with when he finally gets to talk to a little i mean that's kind of a relief but then when he's leaving it just ramps right back yeah i just meant like th- that conversation was funny, and then because like, that guy was like, "Who the fuck? Are, who are you? Who, yes. Who's Rick? Who like doesn't doesn't remember who he is?" Well, and just like can't he can't connect any dots either. Yeah, like he's but, like, "Who are you? This person. I was a stuntman for this person. Who's that? This well, then who are you? <laughs> I'm this. Well, who's Rick? You know, just that. Yeah. To me, I thought that was funny, but then maybe that was just me. And then, well, even when they like, you know, they have. The, one of the people go get Tex, too, because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, like... Tex is going to shoot him or Might something. kill him, you yeah. know? And then when he, you know, it, this, it follows Tex, like, sprinting his horse back to yeah. the ranch, and then he's gone at that point, but... Well, yeah, because he beats up that guy to change his tire. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, Although that guy did not look like he knew how to change a tire. I agree. He didn't even prop the car up. He did not. He just so started taking the nuts out. I don't know out. how he got that wheel off. I don't uh, know either. If if he even did. Yeah. Maybe Cliff had to do I it. I think so. Cliff probably had to do it because I was like, he just grabbed the thing and started taking a bolt off. You don't want to take the bolts off. Well, technically you do want to take the You want to loosen the bolts before you prop the car up. So maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe, maybe he didn't know what he was doing, but it did not look like it. Um... But yeah, I thought that was a that was a good scene that I wanted to talk about. Um another scene that I want to talk about is just the Margot Robbie theater scene. Yeah. Um cuz like Margot Robbie plays a very small role in the film, yeah. honestly. Um and she's a great actress. Yeah. Uh, and she's very attractive. So um, She's on the front cover too. Yeah. So, so you thought she was going to play a bigger role. You know, Margot hit me up anytime, but uh <laughs> She, uh, like, just that whole, it was very, like, a nice nod to just, like, you know, Sharon Tate and mm-hmm. what Sharon Tate's, um, like, everyone liked her. And, yeah. like, she had such a, like, bright career ahead of her in, like, film. And I think it's funny that people couldn't, like, actors could do whatever in normal life and nobody noticed. 
Oh yeah, like like well, they went to restaurants and nobody noticed. She went to the theater the thing and about, nobody noticed. The thing about her though was she was an up and like she, well, she, no one really knew Rick about Dalton. Sharon Tate. And Rick well, Dalton no, went Rick, to restaurants. Oh well, yeah, that's that's true. what I mean. Like I these actors went out went to restaurants and walked around and whatever and nobody it didn't seem like yeah and people maybe know that, and i think that's just a different time period yeah and maybe it was also just not something tarantino was looking to like mm, show showcase. Show. that's possible yeah. um because it just didn't wouldn't it wouldn't do anything yeah. for the movie it would just it just wouldn't do anything for it in yeah. my opinion that's what i would say Cause I I was, i'm was... sure they were the i mean i'm sure like i don't know if you've watched like the last dance about like the bulls Kind of well, off topic, but Michael Jordan was the the biggest face in the history of the world, right? But even all of those guys were still always surrounded, yeah. Us. And that was only twenty years later, which a lot happens in twenty yeah. years, sure. But I think entertainment ramps up every year. Yeah. So I just don't think Tarantino needed to show that. Maybe, maybe that, that. But that was just what I took away was that. Yeah. And like and, nowadays, you couldn't have any actor, yeah. like that's in anything. Like he sits down, he's going to get recognized and. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just Hollywood as well. Maybe in Hollywood, it's we live in Kansas, so anytime yeah. we see somebody, we're gonna say something. But, but I've, I've definitely heard that if you're in Hollywood and you're walking down Hollywood Boulevard or whatever, like you definitely are gonna see stars. Yeah, and it's just life. Yeah. So, so maybe normal. Maybe that's maybe that's the difference that you know. I just didn't make that connection. So, um, anyways, you're talking about that that scene. Yeah, just a really nice scene. Um, a nice nod. You get to see a lot of that the film, mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually Sharon Tate in the film. It's not Margot Robbie screen yeah. in or whatever. So that was nice. And I remember reading and watching some, well, not watching, just reading. Uh, like Sharon Tate's sister made a comment, like saying, like you know, like that was a really powerful moment for me. Like I feel like Margot Robbie did a really good job portraying my sister, and like it was just very nice that. But, like, Tarantino did a really good job, and he handled it well. And because everyone was worried, like, you know, is he going to glorify Sharon Tate's murder? Yeah, um, yeah. When in reality, he paid his respects, I think, to yeah. her and J.C. Bring and all the people who were murdered that night. Yeah. First time I watched the movie, I thought all of the Sharon Tate stuff was kind of weird because I didn't know who Charles Manson killed. I just knew that he... Killed someone? Killed, yeah. That he killed... Well, that he killed actors. Like, he killed people in Hollywood, but I didn't know who. And so... Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't make that connection. So I, I figured at some point Sharon Tate was going to meet up with Cliff and Booth because that's usually what happens in a Tarantino movie. They have all these different parts and they... The story finally converges. Yeah, but that doesn't really happen other than... The very end. Yeah, the very end where she walks down. But like you could have had two seconds of screen time with them and that would have made sense. You know, and them it, talking about their neighbors like yeah. they did and not actually and show scenes. it's just very inconsequential. Yeah. Like... And that's like that's what people were worried about was like, is this going to be a glorification? Yeah. When in reality, it's a resp- it's a homage and it's yeah. paying respects. Yeah. And so after I realized everything, yeah. I went back and as I watched, it, well, really even thinking about it after I realized that, like, I think I found that out a couple hours afterwards because we were all talking about it, mm-hmm. and I was like, I didn't really know understand why Sharon Tate was in it, and they're like, well, sh- that's who. Charles Manson killed and a couple of those other guys. I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot yeah. more sense. And even if you like. Like this, I guess, is some advice to the the listeners. Is like, even if you maybe know about the Manson murders and know that's about Sharon Tate, I would recommend going back and just re- researching that again, because um, it'll definitely add a, a, some depth to this movie in a way. Because that's what I did, and so like on my rewatch, because I you know I watched in the theater, 
And then I'm just the kind of guy that likes to like look up stuff about the movie I've seen just right after, like Wikipedia. Yeah. Just I go down a little rabbit hole. So I did that with this. And you kind of get a new res- appreciation for it. So on my, re- my rewatches, it was like, oh, I respect this a lot more. No, that, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. And if you don't know anything about it, I would recommend looking up some stuff about that before you watch this movie. Because that just gives context to it. Yeah. Um, which, you know. Maybe we should have said that in general thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> probably should have. Dang it. Just now thinking of it. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. I didn't really think about it either. Yeah. Because so, it does add it. It adds a lot to the movie when you it, understand it. Because it. it also adds a lot to the ending scene because a lot of people who are watching this movie, I, I watched it with a couple friends, and they all told me they thought those guys were going to go up, like they were going to show the killing of Sharon Tate and everybody, and then Cliff and Booth were going to go up there or something. Yes. That's and what I thought was going to exactly. happen. Exactly. And so that wasn't even in my mind because I didn't know. Right. <laughs> that was So I wasn't anticipating any of that. Um and they foreshadow that with with Charles Manson going to that circle and looking up at the house and yeah. Um, but then you see at the end Cliff and Booth or Cliff and Rick, or really just Rick, pretty much side side like steals the murders yeah, from Sharon Tate and gets Sharon them to, yeah by is an asshole is yelling at them at like two a.m. Yeah, <laughs> twelve o'clock. It was midnight. Oh, was it midnight? I don't remember. But he hates hippies. Basically. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Even though it's, it's hilarious. really mean, it's and it's really <laughs> tense too. Yeah, because the guy has a gun and you see that and like and you know, like they that you look they look like they're about to murder somebody. Oh yeah, they look cracked out. Their yeah, eyes are all bloodshot. Yeah. They're all wearing black. Like yeah, and so. I kind of got us a little bit off track, but no, just, yeah, just uh, it, knowing what happened adds a lot. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I'm sure most people who watch the movie did understand a lot of that. So, yeah. and I, and this movie also isn't necessarily geared for people like, you know, you and I in our age group. Probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is, you know, Tarantino himself is like what? In his fifties. Yeah. Um, maybe upper forties. I don't guess I don't know. I think he's older than, but I mean, he's the guy that. that grew up, in the direct impact of this stuff and like, you know, our parents are, yeah. uh, and they didn't live through it, but they, parents, but they like, that was still that yeah. perpetuated pop culture for time. Yes. For some time. Yeah. So, and it changed a lot of stuff about Hollywood too. Um, so like those people are going to understand it. Whereas the younger, like us younger people need a little more context yeah yeah and it's the same with a lot of like you know the irishman i made that comment of like you want to definitely have some context going into that so same with this not as much you can get away with it um because obviously you did and i did yeah i got away like and i know my girlfriend when i who i saw with at the time had no idea (laughs) yeah i didn't know and i still thought the movie was great the only critique i had with the movie was how much it was showing sharon tate because i was like i love watching rick and Cliff, and you're taking away from that to go show Sharon Tate, which has no overarching, like, didn't really matter in the grand scope of the movie. But then, as I learned it, it made a lot more sense. So, yeah, that was the only thing that I think made a, a real difference. But then the ending does mean a lot more. Yeah. If you know that kind of stuff, too. But for me, not knowing that, it was still good. Like, I, it was still enjoyable. Yep. Definitely. Um, Want to go ahead and talk about the ending? Let's do it. Okay. This is the <laughs> gruesome part of the... <laughs> Tristan had to walk up and leave. When she watched it in theaters, she saw the first thing of Cliff 
throwing the the can can at the, and then she closed her eyes and didn't look for the rest of the thing and then this time she knew it was happening again and so she got up went to the bathroom and and just stayed upstairs until yeah. I told her to come back down but before that I mean the whole scene is it sets up to be emotional because mm-hmm. this is Cliff's last ride with Rick because he's about to stop paying him and so yeah. he's gonna have to find something else to do and Rick doesn't know what he's gonna do with his life because he's just getting back from Italy and he doesn't know if he's gonna be able to get TV spots anymore and they're just kind of having their last hoorah. And he smokes that acid cigarette, which was mm-hmm. uh, ironic and funny for the time. Yeah. And Bad timing. It's, you know, it's it's pretty tense because for me, you know, at first it was like, you know, shit, are they, they're not going to, he's not going to show Sharon Tay getting murdered, is he? Oh, yeah. And he doesn't. Like, you know, because the, the people in the car, uh, Tex and the girls are like, Oh, that was Rick. After after Rick Dalton goes and yells at them when they drive up, they kind of pull back because they get freaked out, of course. And he's like, "They're like, you know, that was Rick Dalton." Like, and they kind of well, they talk about how they were they were they had to go kill someone. Yeah, no, he Tex is talking about. Look, I we have to go kill someone. They're Mm -hmm. all awake. They're all awake though. There's people playing music. You know that guy got yelled at us. They're all still awake. And I was like, "Look, we were told to go do this by Charles Manson. We have to go do it." And then they're like, "Wait a second! Like that was Rick Dalton, and he's <laughs> that was like, Bounty Law. Like I had, I a, love that show. I had a lunchbox, lunchbox with him on it, and they're like, you know, this guy perpetuated violence. Just that one like, girl, yeah, and can basically convince them, like, you know, the, we got to kill this guy. We got to kill this guy because Hollywood shows us to kill, and it's going to be ironic, right? To to kill the people that teach us to kill, right? Which I thought was funny because of Quentin Tarantino. It's basically his." <laughs> Basically that's, his thing. And that's what he's been like, you know, everyone's giving him shit for is like, yeah. Like, I don't and know so, if you've ever seen that interview with him and this chick about yeah. Django and she's like, why is it so violent? And he's like, because it's entertaining. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I like it. Yeah. And he's like, it's, and I think it was funny how he added that. And then those people who think that he violently murders. Yes. Like, <laughs> on the screen. This, very violently. This, this is one of the most brutal Tarantino violent violent scenes in my opinion. Yeah. It like, was pretty rough. It is bad. It is brutal. Um so yeah, I mean I you know, Tristan was squeamish squeamish, obviously. So yeah. If you're kind of squeamish, like I don't know about this one. It's bad. You might have it it's it's almost too much for me. Like it's very like not just bloody or gory like gore is fine kill bill gore is fine it's but and it's, it's not like that it's not like kill bill gore it's, it's d- so detailed yes in its gruesomeness and that the, it's no- just, the noises that uh, happen with everything like like you see her face after getting beaten by a can and then bitten by a dog yeah. and then broken glass shattered into her face and all of that and it's like it's hard to look at but it's so fun because Cliff Booth is just having fun. Yeah. And at first for me it was like shit, like he's gonna kill yeah. uh Cliff or he's gonna yeah. kill Rick or he's gonna kill them both, and that's how the movie ends. And that and but, then as soon as uh like cause Cliff is high tripping acid at this time and he's like, Are you even real? Yeah. And Tex is That like, was so fun. Like <laughs> as soon as Tex said, I'm as real as a donut or whatever, and he's real as a and he's donut. like I'm the devil. And they both started laughing. I was he was like, like, "Wait a second! I know, I know you." Yeah, and he, they just started like he started, and that happens. It's like, nah, they're gonna come out of this. So I've only seen this movie once before this, uh, before this last time watching it, and I was able to quote like ten lines of this movie because it was so like, like 
don't know if impactful, but I, funny, I think is the word. Like, they were just such cool, funny lines that I was able to quote it. And that was one of them where he's like, I'm the devil and I'm here to do devil's work. And then Cliff's like, nah, I was dumber than that. That was, I, I knew that line was coming and I was so ready was for it. trying to remember his name. Yeah, like, I was so ready for that moment. And there were a couple other moments. I wish I remembered them, but that was the one that, I, yeah. Because Tristan looked over at me and was like, how how are you quoting this movie? Because usually I have to watch a movie like a bunch, a hundred times to quote. Like I can quote Star Wars for the most part, but I've seen Star Wars a hundred times over. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that for most movies and saying that I've seen this movie once. Like there are just so many one liners that were hilarious. And that was probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> and then, text. Uh, oh, text. That's right. <laughs> no, nah, I was dumber than that. <laughs> and so that was it was a funny for how tense it was supposed to be. And I like that comedic twist to it. And then just the... Br- it it like, diffuses pretty quick yeah. in a way. And then, you know, he just... And his yeah. dog goes and bites Tex in the nuts. and then he No, in the arm. Oh, it was the arm. It was the arm. And then every time he went... Like this thing, uh, he would go and bite something else. Yeah. So he bit his arm and then bit his leg. And then he worked up the leg to his, to his dick. And then... Which was also funny because they talked about cutting off their dicks. And making them eat them, uh-huh. and a dog ate his dick. <laughs> um, and then he goes and and bites the the other girl. And yeah, and then so basically, it was a dog that took out most <laughs> incapacitated a couple. Yeah, and then, you know he throws the can, beats the chick with the fucking telephone. Well, not beats her head against the telephone, Good and then dear. glass, and then the bad one was the the. Uh, the wood above the fireplace mm-hmm. bashes her mouth in with that and then bashes her head into a table and then realizes he's not she's knocked out and then then lets her go and francesca's <laughs> out there uh, when she comes out and she's like what the fuck is going on and he's like that's francesca hi francesca <laughs> and then she tries yeah. oh yeah because she's she he's like st- the text is like who the fuck is that? Like, that's Francesca. <laughs> Hi, he, Francesca. He waves at her. And she's freaking out. Yeah. That was pretty funny. And then she tries to, like, kind of stand up to the one chick. And punches her in the face. Punches her in the face. And then she pulls the knife out. And she's like, she, instant regret. She jumps, too. She's like, ah! And jumps and runs away and runs into the, the bedroom. The room. Yeah. And closes the door. And then... It was a funny scene for how gruesome it was. And that's why it's... I think that's why it's so good. It's just yeah. so different. Having a comedically violent... I guess it's definitely happened in movies before, but for a movie that's so grounded in being real um, and then being so comedic, mainly, I mean, if he wasn't on acid, he wouldn't have, he would have been chill, but I don't think it would have been, like, he wouldn't have been funny. Yeah. He would have been like, I need to figure out what to do right now. And it's but def- since he was tripping on acid, he's like. Yeah. And it's definitely over the top. Like, yeah. Tarantino was like, you know, I've gotten shit for this, so I'm going to make this over the top. Yeah, at the exact people who told me. <laughs> yeah. And then the one chick, you know, walks to the pool and Rick Dalton freaks out, grabs a flamethrower from Well, first he tries movies. to help her. Yeah, because she, oh, cause she, she breaks goes- through the glass and falls in the water and he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. So he's like, holy cow, this bloodied girl is in my pool. I need to go help. So he's like walking to her and then she comes out screaming and With shoots the gun. Oh, she, she the shoots gun. the gun she and he's like, holy fuck. And so he runs out of the pool, grabs a flamethrower and <laughs> what does he say? Oh, I burned her or something like that. Uh, I burned, like I just, I crisp or something. I mean, 
when he talks, when he finally talks to Jay Sebring about it, that's what I'm talking he's about. Just he so says nonchalant. He's like, "What happened?" He's like, "A bunch of fucking hippies broke into my house. Two, I burned two, one to a crisp with a flamethrower. Two of them, they tried to kill my my wife and my stunt and my best friend, and my best friend killed two of them, and then the last one, uh, I burnt or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, "What with the, f- with a flame? Well, how'd you do that? A flamethrower." Wait, you mean the one from uh, yeah, from yeah? Movie it was, yeah. It still works, thank God. <laughs> like I said, just a just a funny way to end a movie, and and you know that scene with Cliff and the ambulance, and yeah, like, I'll come visit you. You know, I'll come. Like, with nah, you right dude, now. And go, he's like, nah, it's okay. Go lay with your, go lay naked with your, uh, with that beautiful creature. And yeah, like, go be with his wife, and he's like, she just with all the sleeping pills she took, <laughs> she won't wake up till next week. You guys are gonna have to come back in a couple hours. <laughs> Um, and then, and you get a touching moment between the two, and he's like, "You're a good friend." He's like, "I try," yeah, you know. And hope I'm hoping that they that their friendship outlasts the fact that he has to pay him, you know. Yeah, I think that's the point. It's like okay. it's more than just that. Well, it says that you know it it says it with the narrator that um they're more than brothers, but less than a wife. <laughs> Oh, less than husband and wife. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it talks about you know it's not like it's definitely not just he's getting paid to be his best friend. It's like he's gonna have to get a job now, like a different job, and so that's gonna take away. They're not gonna be able to be together all the time, and that's what they were. I mean, of course, when he was acting and stuff, he did went off and did whatever. But yeah, um, yeah. Do you got anything else to talk about here at the uh, at the at the end? I don't think so. Sweet. Um, I guess we can go ahead and just grade it out and and be done with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, not done. I'm sure we'll watch it again at some point. But um, what do you grade uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, five out of five. Five out of five? Yeah. This is a, for me, it's a five out of five movie for sure. Um, I honestly have nothing bad to say about it. Yep. All and right. if, yeah, if I can't say anything bad about it, it's got to be five. Um, I w- I'm pretty, uh, I don't know if I want to give it a five out of five. I did when I watched it and kind of learned all the context of it. Cause my biggest complaint was, um, the Sharon Tate part, but I didn't realize the context of it. Um, and then once I did, I was like, oh yeah, well I, I loved it, but, but I wanted, I wanted to wait to give it a five stars until I watched it again to see how I liked it. And after this time, I, I don't see why, like what I could knock from it to put it at a four and a half. So I still, I, I go ahead and give it a five stars as well. Just Boom, it's, perfect film. Yeah. Just cause it, I mean, it's just, it, I don't know if it's like revolutionary or anything like, like that. Like usually when you have a five star movie, it's something that's like for me, like a blade runner that's transcendent and, and gives you like so much more, but it's not necessarily that now it is to people that I guess maybe know the Charles Manson story and, and have that in context. But, um, it was just a fun movie to watch and they made two characters that you loved both of them and, and you loved watching them together. And, um, there wasn't a part where I was upset or mad, you know, I just, yeah, it was just so fun to watch that I don't want to give it less than a five just because it's not, you know, yeah. I don't know if you have something in this movie that makes it revolutionary, like, um, something else of your five stars, but there's just not a lot of movies or really any that I can think of in my life that I've watched where I just wanted it to keep going. Yeah. And this, this is like the only movie that's been like that for me. So, yeah. Well, I could say that for every star Wars movie other than rise of Skywalker, but well, there's our difference other than rise of Skywalker. (laughs) But 
so yeah, for me that was like, you know, when I watched, it, I was like, that was like one of the best movies I've ever seen. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's gonna be that way for me. So yeah, yeah. there's my that's yeah. your, there's two my five favorite. out of fives. What do you rank this in your uh, Quentin Tarantino films? Um, I have to ask that one. Um, that's really tough. Um, do I need to name them off for you? I'm well. I'm thinking of it in my head. Um, I can name them off for you. You got. Reservoir um, Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Glorious Bastards, Glorious Bastards, both Kill Bills, or you uh, count it as one movie. Some people do that. Okay. Um, uh, Django, Django, Hateful Eight, Hateful Eight, Jackie Brown and Death Proof. You haven't seen those two bastards. I'm gonna have to go. Uh, second, second behind Bastards. Really? Yeah. Um, with third being like. Between Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, okay for me. Uh, and I don't even know if I would even necessarily classify Bastards as a five star movie for me, but that's just like you like it more. That's that's the movie that got me into Tarantino, and gotcha. that's just like a lot of good memories with that. And it's always a fun one to watch. And you know, people might will probably would probably rank it differently. But where would you put it? Uh, I have a hard time between Django and Glorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, oh, and Once Upon a Time Django in Hollywood. Too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it would go. I got. I got to change my little. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, mm, I really like Django. I do too. It's just. It's maybe it would have to be tied for. Th- it would have to be third because Django and Bastards might be tied for first. For okay. Me. Uh, I have all of those kind of clumped. I don't know what. I I feel like. Pulp Fiction's probably his best when it comes to just filmmaking mm-hmm. and storytelling and stuff um what's upon time hollywood is just the funnest to watch and enjoy and then inglorious and dangerous uh or django were just amazing action like yeah and i, I kind of rank mine off of like if someone were to just casually say like out of all yeah. these movies like you know uh, you want to watch Django? Like I'd probably never say no to watching Django or Bastards yeah. or this movie. Yeah. Whereas with Pulp Fiction, I would I'd not. Ha- I yeah. kind of have to. Be I have to be in the mood for Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. You're right. I'm just trying to. I'm. I'm thinking of it of all angles, and like Pulp Fiction, I think is his best film, as as just a director and just it's like a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always mean that it's the one that you want to watch. Right. You know? So, yeah. I, I going from all angles, I would. I really don't know. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might be number one, but Django and Glorious Bastards are like right there. Yeah. So it's more like one A, one B, one C, one right. D, and yeah. then four, or and then five with with Reservoir Dogs, and then Kill Bill, and then Hateful Eight. So it's t- it's just tied for first. With I think so. I I can't like that's fair. I can't not like. I don't know. Like I think this is my highest rated one. Uh, honestly, I, I, I actually I haven't rated Pulp Fiction, but I think all of those are either four, four and a half or fives. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's what I'd have to say with my rankings of Quentin Tarantino movies. No, that's fair too. And I just feel like, I just weird cause I feel like that way about, you know, like Reservoir Dogs is also one of my favorite Tarantino I really movies. like it, but I think that even is a it's, step down. Even though it definitely has its flaws. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I like, I, it's just a step down in my yeah. opinion. But it does, doesn't mean it's bad. It's still like a, four-star movie or something yeah so but yeah okay 
So it's up there with the with the grades. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess that uh, that ends it for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So thank you, Damien, for uh, joining us on today's episode. Thanks for having me. Um, all of you listeners out there, uh, you know, you can uh, leave us a five star review um, on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out uh, and helps people find us as a podcast. And then, of course, go follow us on on Twitter at Couch Critics Pod. Uh, where you can, you know, learn when new episodes are coming out. And then uh, just started a Facebook page for, for those of you that use Facebook, and I will also post episodes on there. Um, and then you can, you know, anytime I have an episode, you can comment and talk back and forth uh, about what you thought about the episode or what you thought about the movie. You know, discussion's always cool. You know, at the end of our episode doesn't have to be the end of the talk. You know, if you have something you want to add, of something you, you didn't like of the movie that we didn't talk about or you liked about the movie that we didn't talk about, you can comment you know, on Twitter or Facebook there and, you know, continue the conversation. So, um, thanks for, for listening guys and goodbye. See ya.